Welcome to another edition of the podcast, You Should Have Been Here Last Week, in which myself, Steve Gribbon, and fellow comedian Paul Ricketts interview the movers and shakers, uh, the club owners, the promoters, the bookers, the actual recipients of the request, who books this. Mm. Uh, we interview them and ask them what makes them tick. Uh, indeed, what makes them TikTok. <laughs> uh, now, this week, uh, we've got uh, one of the uh, longest-standing uh, comedy promoters in yeah. the biz. Should have sat down by now, you reckon, but... Uh, but you... Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the wonderful uh, promoter behind Cosmic Comedy Club and, indeed, uh, comedy at Town & Country Club 2, which ran for many years uh, in the late 90s and early noughties. Uh, the one and only brilliant Joss Jones. Today, our, our guest is Joss Jones, promoter, booker, management, cosmic comedy. So it's 1987, apparently, when you started. I had to text somebody and ask them when I first got involved in comedy because I couldn't remember. It was 1984. Wow that I live next door to Jeremy Hardy and Dave Cohen. So because of Jeremy and Dave, we started going to comedy. Ah, right. And then uh, what happened was that we moved out of the squats and I moved in with a friend in Golders Green and he had a friend who had just taken over running a venue in North London called the Town and Country Club which wow. is still yes. up running as the forum. Mm. Yeah, when, when we when Ollie took it over, it was the town and country club. And there was this fantastic mezz which I think is still there, the mezzanine bar, which is like above the foyer when you go into the front of the venue, there was a mezzanine bar and Dave Cohen said, This is brilliant. You should do comedy in this room. So my boss very kindly thought that that was okay and he let us do comedy so we started our little comedy club and I think that that was about 1987 but I'm not my memory is so dreadful <laughs> that I'm not 100% sure I think it was 87. What, what was the reason you got into comedy promoting was there any grand scheme behind it or so the reason that we started doing comedy was purely and simply because we I had a brilliant contacting comedy Dave Cohen and Dave helped me with the bookings initially and because everyone said you know comedy is the new rock and roll and we had this rock and roll venue so it just fits that if we had a room doing nothing we should do something brilliant with it. It does fit because uh, one of the most uh, famous stories about that particular venue is that um, one night when he hadn't had a particularly good gig didn't Rob Newman kick the toilets off the wall? <laughs> he lost his temper and kicked kicked the toilet off the wall. It started gushing out with water and everything. Rock and roll. He might, he might have done. I do remember Rob, and he either was it was either before he went on and he was a bit anxious about it, or it was after he went on. It didn't go very well, and he was sort of having a bit of a a meltdown. And all the crew who were sort of quite they weren't hard, but that you know they were they were the crew from the main venue. 
and they were all just sort of sitting around having a post having a post sort of gig beer and Rob Newman was having a bit of a meltdown in front of them and they were all just looking at him with this like <laughs> grip <laughs> but it was brilliant that club um and it did run for quite a few well it ran until we moved over to Highbury Corner but it was just it was just such fun really because it was always busy because everyone would come to us and then they'd pile on down and have a dance at Wendy's and so it was yeah. really good fun. And when, when did you move to the Cosmic then? The Cosmic Comedy Club was that the one? So you... the Cosmic was much later. So from the from the from the Town and Country Club, we then took over that one at Highbury Corner, which is now called the Garage. So that became then a full time comedy club. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and that was. 89 1989 and we were there for until we took over the cosmic which was we opened the cosmic in 94 i don't know if you remember but there was a it was a big deal when we lost because we lost the town country club and we lost the tnc to at hybrid corner at the same time um because i'm not 100 percent sure of all the politics that went on behind it but basically they gave our gigs to um the mean fiddler yeah. Ah, so it got I remember. Taken away from us. Mm. Yeah, so then we moved to the Cosmic in 94 and we were there until whatever that was, 2000 or so. That's a, that was a long time, wasn't it? So, nearly eight years, I think it was. Yeah. That yeah. still remains one of my favourite ever um, heckles I've ever had. I was doing something with the crowd and I was making them repeat it. And there was a tiny gap. I mean, it's quite a posh area. It's even posher now. But somebody, there was a tiny gap. And some guy at the back just went, that's quite enough of that. <laughs> just, just in that way that posh people have got. Of, and he, it was so funny. And the whole thing just broke down. I broke down laughing. I couldn't continue. <laughs> just the way you said it. It was so well-timed. It's a brilliant heckle. I loved that. That was a great club, actually. Um, didn't it used to be a punk club? It was. Um... It was. It was a greyhound. You know, we used to have customers and they'd come in and they'd just sort of, they'd, Jaws would hit the floor at how it looked with all those yeah. wonky pillars that the designers had put in and and sort of fake brickwork everywhere and velvet curtains. It was really <laughs> poncy. <laughs> it used to go, oh, God, this used to be a really good gig. What's yeah. that <laughs> Hey, I mean, it's an apocryphal story someone told me that when the Sex Pistols play there, um, somebody, there used to be an overhead fan and everyone was pogoing. This must have been about 76. And someone got their, um, their Mohican caught. Oh. The overhead. Oh. <laughs> but luckily, it was le less than like two minutes walk to Charing Cross Hospital, wasn't it? So they got taken. It was literally <laughs> next door, wasn't it? Yeah. And they cut the top of his head off. Oh, my God. What do you wish you'd known before you started promoting? What, what are the things, the key things that you think, oh, God, I had no idea it was going to be like this? I wish I'd known that it was it could be a proper career and that you could really <laughs> and that you could sort of it always just felt a little bit insecure to me. It felt a little bit like it's it's all gonna pop any minute now and that and no one will ever come again. And in actual fact, that that wasn't the case, was it? We all can know it's still going strong and there are gazillions of comedy clubs. But at the time it felt a bit like you couldn't rely on it. Well, I think it, it's similar to rock and roll. That no one actually yeah. expected that to have any sort of longevity. That bands weren't supposed to last any length of time. 
let alone acts. When you think of comedians, uh, no one thought that they you could do it for X amount of years. Did you, when you started, think that you'd be doing this? No, no. Yeah, when I was when I was in my eighties. Yeah, um, I. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, in, in comedian years, I'm about 93. No, of course we didn't. We thought it was going to be, um, especially in the 80s, it was like, uh, it was, it, it, you know, we didn't really think about it. We, we expected it to end any second, and, and it nearly did in the early 90s. But, um, you know. <laughs> Have you got any tips, Joss, for, for people that are, want to become promoters? What, what tips would you give people? No, do you know I thought about that, and I, and and all the people that really are successful or have suck at it, they've got this sort of natural enthusiasm. So you can say to someone, "Oh, what you've got to do is be enthusiastic and stick at it," but you're just like that anyway, aren't you? People just stick at it, and they're determined, and they they try things out. And just really recently, I was I was talking to a, a really young man who has started doing Zoom comedy. <laughs> this is how they start now. They start on Zoom. I said, yeah. that's impossible. But anyway, but he's, he's sort of is in contact with a, a new young promoter. And I was just saying, that's absolutely brilliant that somebody who's only 18-year-old is having a go at setting up Zoom gigs and setting up gigs. And and that, that sort of inbuilt enthusiasm, it, that, you know, you, you can't, advise someone to be like that they're just like that aren't they they're just yeah. kind of giving it a go and they're sticking at it yeah and uh, do some 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 of them get them get it battered out of them by experience though <laughs> well I, honestly i mean you know. that's kind of why i stopped actually running my own clubs was right. it's just exhausting it really was it it's all very well being a, a promoter that goes in and and does someone else's gig but when you run the bricks and mortar of a full-time comedy club and you spend your days worrying about, you know, whether the chef is stoned or there's a leak in the roof or, you know, the, there's beer flies everywhere or, you know, you're herring up down the motorway because the after-school club finishes at six or whatever. It, it's yeah. exhausting, actually. It's, yeah. So I, you know, the, the, I think it's much nicer just going, being booking into someone else's gig and they do the hard work. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So which is your favourite bit? I mean, in terms of promotion, booking? What I what I love, I love the fact that I still get to do Fringe. You know, I, I, I've i got this comedy club that I run at the Fringe every year, and I, that is my passion. I love it. It's just a joy from start to finish. And, and it's a real blast of comedy for me. I go and see absolutely loads of comedy for the month. You know, you I squeeze into... 30 odd days or 28 days in Edinburgh, more comedy than the whole rest of the year. Yeah. Um, oh, it's brilliant. I love it. And, I, you know, I think going up to Fringe is the highlight of my year without a doubt. Joss, when you were promoting, what would you, do you, did you know who your audience were? How would you characterise the audiences that came to see the shows that you put on? Did you have an, an yeah. image, of, you know? Yeah, we know who the audience were. I mean, when we were at the, when we were at the Town and Country Club, it was, um, and at the TNC too, to an extent, it was a sort of a North London going out kind of crowd, you know. They were yeah. really local. And when we moved across to the Cosmic at, on Fulham Palace Road, it was a it was much harder. There just didn't seem to be that going out vibe. 
but it was really hard work in West London and they just seemed, you know, like you're famous, you know, that's not that sort of heckle. They were a bit posher. And they were, yeah. not as kind of up for it as the North London crowds, I don't think. But, and yet you still, you stuck there for nearly seven years, didn't you? So it was... Yeah, they did come, they did come, but we, we, we did run... You know, we had a lot of midweek shows that were hard work to to get people into. And I don't know if you remember, but in the old days, we used to do Edinburgh previews. And when it was a new, you know, it was a new thing. New thing, yeah. Oh, my God, that was hard work to get people to come. You know, you'd have these amazing acts doing doing a preview show and no one would come. And it would be like, you, you know, it's because they didn't think they were getting value for money because it wasn't four comics on the bill. <laughs> No, oh, now, it's that sounds absurd when you say it now, doesn't it? Because it'd be the other way around. People would rather go to a dead and preview than, uh, yeah. Yeah, oh, now thing. it's completely flipped now, and people would rather go and see one comic at the local art centre or theatre, and they don't go to comedy clubs with a, with a with a four act bill anymore. I mean, that's what I think. I used to run a club, and I put on uh, Edinburgh previews, and our regulars were saying, "What if I don't like him?" <laughs> He's on for a whole hour. <laughs> well, yeah, there is that. Because what, what pr- people used to say, isn't it, you know, there's four comics, there's a compare, there's three comics, and you're bound to like one. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was so derogatory, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I hated all four of them, actually. <laughs> so how do you think, and you've been doing it a long time, uh, how do you how would you say that the comedy scene has changed? Well, it's that, isn't it? But it seems to me that that host and three format is completely gone. I mean, I've got you know theories about why that is, but so you, so I'm going to see a show ne- in a week or two at Maidenhead Norden. Oh, that's a great. Is that your local arts? That's my local one. Oh, it's fantastic. It's a really yeah. great little theatre. It's really great. And I love going to shows there. And I'm going to see somebody, some girlfriends of mine have arranged to go to see an act, um, Ishan Akbar, who I've seen a few times. I really like him. But they said to me, oh, we've got no idea who he is, but let's go. Hmm. You know? <laughs> so they're, they're kind of up for going to see a solo show at the arts theatre. Mm. These ladies of my age, they wouldn't in a million years go to a pub comedy club without having, you know, they, it just seems to me that it's flipped and people will go to an art centre without having any idea of what they're going to see because, you know, it's on a Saturday night, it's comedy and they fancy it. I said, I might, I might be wrong, but that's how it seems to me that it's... I don't know, I want to hear more from you, Josh, about what what you think the problem is with the free comics and uh, MC. I don't, I don't really want to sort of cause any ructions, but it seemed like there was these lineups that got sort of put into universities that they were a big a big agency that perhaps would have a deal with all the universities and they'd put a load of, you know, they'd put their, their touring shows in and they weren't nest normally, I can see by your face that you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> we, we can't say for legal reasons. <laughs> To me, that this that it took quite a few years, but it went from being a really flourishing thing to everyone just going, oh, well, that was a bit rubbish. I'm not going to bother with that again. And when that happens repeatedly over a few years, there seems like there's a whole generation of young people that went away from comedy. So my generation's still up for it, 
perhaps the younger ones coming through are, but it does feel like there was a big generation where they just couldn't be bothered with having a not very good night out and they just lost the love of it. I mean, that leads us on to the other question. I mean, what do you see as the future of, um, it's a big question, the future of live comedy or comedy in general? How, how do you think it's going to pan out? Well, I think it'll be fine. I think it's established now. It's this thing where, where if you're an act now, you can tour and do solo shows, even if you've mm. not got this sort of massive TV exposure behind no. you. And 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 the theatres are up for booking you, which I think is really great for people. Mm. Um, what do I think is the future? I think, I don't, you know, I think it's this, I think that's it now. I think it's rock solid and established. I mean, do you think more, I mean, you talked about the, the young comedians going and using social media. Do you think that's, uh, a, a, you know, an ongoing trend that will only get more prevalent? I guess I'm a little, you know, I don't, I don't really use social media particularly, well, I'm very impressed by it. I'm very impressed by people that have got, you know, <laughs> got millions of TikTok followers and they're selling yeah. out massive venues. And I'm going, I've never heard of them. And that's yeah. because I don't do TikTok. No. So that's brilliant, isn't it? Well, that's a different medium, I suppose. It's a different medium. And it's always that thing as well, is that, you know, like you go and see a comedy show at the O2 or whatever, or, I mean, even Hammersmith, Apollo a little bit, you're so far from the stage. And, it is worth it because there is still that amazing shared experience, that laughter, you know, that mm. you get when you're laughing your heart out and you catch the eye of a complete stranger who's really, really laughing as well. And it's brilliant. That's what's brilliant about it. It's like yeah. having a dance, you know. You. So I, th I think that I think that will stay. Do you have a favourite sort of comedy or are you quite broad in your taste? I like all sorts of stand-up comedy, and and I'm and I definitely don't limit myself to only seeing a particular style. Mm. What I like is the surprise of going to a gig and something really really funny happens, and you and you think, well, I didn't see that coming, and it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I want to ask a question. I've got a question down here that I forgot to ask you for. I mean, we were talking about you know your favourite nights. What have been your favourite nights uh, of comedy? And also, have you had any ones where you've sort of gone, oh, my God, and everything's gone wrong? So there's two questions in one, though, really. Um, when you've got a, a massive room full of people laughing, you just think, oh, I can't believe that's so amazing that we managed to put this show on that's been brilliant. Um, and, and obviously, in the early days, when some really good friends, you know, like Sean Hughes, when when Sean won the Perrier, he he we already had booked for him to bring that show to to do it with us at the TNC Tour at Highbury Corner, and when he won the Perrier, we were sort of fully expecting him to say sorry, Joss, I've got to, you know, oh, like, yeah. not going to let me. But he didn't. He held it in with us, and that was absolutely fabulous as well. And some of those, some of the shows that we had in the early days, you know. Like Rob and Dave did the Mary Whitehouse experience with us, and we had, you know, Mark Lamar did a lot of shows with us, and so, you know, we didn't know that they were going to go on to be household names, but we really were very loyal to them, and they were loyal to us, and we loved that to bits. Um, I'm trying to think of any of them were a total disaster. I think, I mean, Christmas shows maybe. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I remember a few hairy nights at the Cosmic when it, it, they did get a bit out of control. <laughs> well, the Christmas shows. Yes, yeah, and <laughs> just very, very drunk, and you couldn't tell them anything because you was. Um... There was a rule with the Christmas shows: people book it for the comedy. What they really want is the disco, and what they yeah. complain about is the food. <laughs> <laughs> and there's all. There's always one on every table who just sat there as well, going, "What have we come here for? I don't like comedy." Yeah. We went to the curry house last year. What's wrong with the curry house? I won't go paintballing. Oh god! <laughs> Ironically, I wish they would. <laughs> <laughs> as you're still booking, and uh, there might be a few comics watching this, uh, uh, what's a good way of approaching oh, yeah. you uh, for bookings? Just email me, joss at cosmiccomedy.co.uk. I don't book a huge number of shows now um, through the year, but come Fringe, I I not only make a massive effort to go and see comedians I don't know, I'm also really happy to book people into the um, showcase show that I run on Trust. I'm I'm not going to book a complete new act into the showcase show because it's um, very well established and it's quite a big room. But I... I, last year I booked a handful of comics that I didn't know at all because I, I trusted their agents and I trusted them that they were good and they were absolutely excellent, you know, nice. and I did then go on to book them in, you know, to my other gigs as well, having off the back of seeing them for 10 minutes or go and see their solo shows. I love that, go and see, you know, a full show by somebody. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely happy to, you know, for people to contact me. Are you one of the promoters who likes to see film stuff as well, though? I mean, I, I don't insist on it. You know, I do. You know, if, if you know, if an agent or or another club says to me, you know, these people are great, you should book them. Then I'm, you know, I'm more than happy to trust people. I, you know, I think, well, I can't necessarily get get round to see everyone. I, I trust. You know, if you're if you're doing headliners, or you're obviously you're doing the store, or if you're doing, you know, the bear cat or the frog and butty, I, I trust I trust that those bookers aren't fools. They're not gonna no. a dud act. So you know, I'm really happy to trust and put people in. But as you, I said, you don't know how well, unusual that sentence is. <laughs> yeah, I know. We've talked to a few other promoters. It's quite funny because one of the interesting things about doing this is the the, the total variety of responses to. Um, to what we ask, I won't say which promoter was, but that question we asked you about any tips, one person went into the uh, complete minutiae of putting a, a night on <laughs> from the practical point of view. But you talked about it more in terms of drive and emotion and, you know, your joy at promoting, which is, it's just, well, everyone's different, aren't they? They've all got their yeah. own style. And... I do get new acts say to me, how, you know, I do get people say to me, how do I get, how do I get started? How do I get started? And I always just say to them, just go to comedy and, you know, just yeah. go. And it's the same if you want to be a promoter, just go to gigs and talk to the people and talk to the promoters and talk to the acts. And it's common sense, really. You know, it's common sense that you don't put all the tables in a big pile next to the fire exit. <laughs> well, we've only got one minute uh, left, oh. so... I think we're gonna unless we've got one have we got one more last question. What's your favorite what's your favorite comedian that you've ever seen? Oh Steve, you can't ask me that. Because <laughs> I'll go to a gig next week and I'll say, Who was brilliant? I love that. I've got millions of favourite comedians. Oh uh, yeah. Well we yeah, all I, yeah. I like them all really. I I'm I'm in I'm in awe and of them all, I think. 
Oh, so here's the question then. So why happened? Did you ever give it a go? No, absolutely not. I, I used to get stage fright doing the sound mic test. No, 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 no. I'm not <laughs> a performer. No. <laughs> I'm an organiser. I like to organise things. Yeah, well, that's the exact opposite of many comedians. Isn't yeah, it? I know. That's why we need people like Josh. <laughs> we like to disorganise things. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm going to thank you for uh, being on the podcast. It's been wonderful. Was great. Yeah, that was great. Thank you very. Yeah, it was great. It was great to have a chat. Yeah, really nice. Yeah. So that was Josh Jones. Uh, interesting what she was saying about why she thinks the club comedy is being usurped by um, art centres and theatres, which is her viewpoint. Just depends who you interview. We've got very different reactions from people like Stephen Grant and uh, Kevin Precious, where they they're talking about the fact that the live comedy scene is actually still quite vibrant, and they think that it will never really go. And I think one of the things is because it's live, and there's a real sense of danger about uh, live comedy that, as in anything, can happen. Mm. Uh, you know, and mainly by the way, but by, by the fact that um, there's always in any live comedy performance is the knife edge of it could go well or it could go badly. And yeah. I think the performer and the audience are aware of that, aren't they? Well, yes, which brings us on to our lexicon uh, word Ooh. this week. I think everyone knows this one. It is death, dying on stage, on your hole, Ooh, yes. on your jacksie, <laughs> on your ass. That thing that brings out that sense of horrible uh, sweatiness and fear in any comedian, doesn't it? You know, yeah. your, your, your mouth goes dry, you start sweating, your palms are sweaty. Yeah. The small of your back starts sweating. Places that really shouldn't be sweating are sweating. <laughs> your mind is confused. You don't know what to do, where to look, know. what to say. That's the other thing, by the way. There were so many uh, types of comedy death. Because mm. once Simon Bly and I once did the Portsmouth Jongles, which is amongst the most hideous gigs in, mm. in the comedy circuit. Sadly, not not sadly defunct, gladly now defunct, never to appear anymore. Um, over the course of four nights, he and I were both uh, had terrible, terrible gigs, and we died every sort of comedy death. One, silence. Mm. Two, uh, rowdiness, as in really heckling. And three, uh, that gradual thing where you're ignored and talking, you know, yeah. where sort of it starts off as a low murmur and then it just so you're slowly drowning under a sea of rhubarb, rhubarb, you know, like yeah, blah, 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 blah. it's it's politely Horrible. losing the room, isn't it? Where they yeah, uh, yeah. they're not, they, you know, they don't you don't even engage with them. They're not even annoyed <laughs> by you. They just tolerating you. They're going to the toilet. There's a shout, yeah. yeah. They're like, yeah. Well, what else do you want? You want? What else do you want to drink? Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. they're sorting so out you, their orders politely. You're like a you're like a fly in the corner of the room, aren't they? What's that? Yeah, it's ambient what's, death. What's that noise? What's that noise? <laughs> you know, at, at the old comedy store in Leicester Square, the because it was in an L shape, the uh, the bar was around the other corner, mm. and uh, when comedians started to struggle, that's how you knew you were going badly because they'd appear, their faces of other comedians would appear like meerkats around the corner, pint in hand, just staring at you like sharks drawn to the blood in the water. And it happened to me once that uh, I went to give video. And I thought, oh, this is going quite well, and then I saw the first face appear, mm. and then a second one and then a third one and i thought oh shit we're actually dying and it was like that <laughs> down to the depths and it's like that thing that's um i mean we can't help it we are we're strangely drawn to the spectacle 
of dying. But then, of course, when you come off stage, it's a different thing, isn't it? Yeah, you watch the car crash as you're driving past. But, you know, if that person who's just died on stage comes up to you after the gig and wants to have a chat with you, you just, no, go away, leave me alone. I don't want to touch you. Don't talk to me. Don't Don't touch me. (laughs) Don't spread that contagion. Yes. If you yeah. have died, do not go up to any actor who's about to go on and say, can you give me some advice about why I died? Can you just give me some oh, feedback? Yeah. No, leave me alone. <laughs> I'm about to go on stage. Yeah, you're looking for a bit of fellow feeling and solace. No, you're not going to get it. Uh, I remember once terribly at the Burwood Tavern in uh, in Burwood in Birmingham when Frank Skinner was the compere, uh, a terrible, terrible death uh, coming off stage. And he actually um, hid... <laughs> from me he didn't want to talk to me or have anything to do with me he just disappeared out the room and i said where's frank oh he's uh he's gone gone out for some fresh air and he only came back when it was time for him to go on and he didn't have to he didn't have to have anything to do with me and as he was walking past he just kept his eyes straight ahead yeah uh, yeah i mean yeah. i i have a bit of a similar policy that if i see yeah. someone dying on stage i'll go and have a look but then after a yeah. certain point, I will leave the venue. I don't want to think, well, wait a minute, this is an uh, unplayable room. Gosh, they're really rowdy. And I don't want yeah. that. I'm just going to say, yeah. well, okay, she or he has died. But d- don't blame the audience. Just go away for a bit. Come back. Pretend it's a completely <laughs> different gig. And uh, go out there and have a really good time. And most of the time, 99% of the time, that works. Comedians' egos are such that, you know, if it's a rough night, you'll be, you'll be standing on the wing sometimes thinking, uh, oh, that's all right, they, they've died, but once I get on, I'm, I'm going to sort this out. I'll be okay. And then mm. within about 30, 30 seconds of being on, it suddenly dawns on you, oh, shit, uh, I'm going to die as well. It's just that unbreakable confidence. There you're lying in the trenches, waiting to go over the top. You know, it's too quiet out there. And then when you get there, it's uh, it's horrible. Yeah. When you go on first, it's the toughest spot in comedy. Sometimes the person that goes on first dies, and then the person that goes on in the middle dies because it's a roughhouse gig, and it's all those. But then a fantastic, well-known, well-loved comic is going on last. Well, sometimes you have to go and drive back home. And then you find an excuse to get in contact with that comment and go, well, how did it go for you? (laughs) (laughs) When you think it's unplayable, you want to find out if the great act at the end can play it. Uh, And sometimes I've even said to the great act at the end, we're staying just to see if you're going to (laughs) die. And they've accepted that. (laughs) And I said, well, okay. And they've died, and they can see us looking happy. <laughs> yeah, I told you it was unplayable. Oh, God. You know, I, I, I think I might have told you that story before about me. When I did this gig at once at the Comedy Viaduct in Hanwell, um, it's run by the Burkats, and I had a fantastic gig, absolutely, you know, brilliant gig. And two people in the audience were really gushing afterwards. Uh, I'll let me buy you a drink. Uh, have you, uh, you know, you're great, you're brilliant. You know, have you got any other gigs coming up? And I sort of la- laughingly said, Well, as a matter of fact, I've got to rush off to another gig in uh, in Chiswick in a, in a wine bar. Uh, you know, you can come with me if you want. They went, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, we think you're great. So we shared a black cab together, got to the gig in Chiswick. He died on my hole. Completely died. And when I came off stage, they both fucked off. 
<laughs> there was no sign of them at all. You know, they'd gone from, oh, God, we think you're so brilliant, to, and then they must have just sat there and gone, oh, God, he, he's shit, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, let's not stay to talk to him. No, we've made a mistake. He's crap. <laughs> we've made a terrible error. <laughs> with with the audiences, it's like that. They just see you having a hard time. They think, that's it. You are shit. Yeah. End of story, you know. Yeah. Well, Fair enough, that's the bargain that you uh, strike when you pay for a ticket, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, you're only as good as your last gig. So, yes, deaf on stage and now the dying embers of this podcast. We're part of Podomy now, aren't we? Podomy? Yes! Uh, so Podomy. we're part of a, a new group of um, comedy podcasts, which we recommend that you check out the other offerings that Podomy have. And once again, if you've enjoyed this, you know, tell your friends. For those people watching the YouTube, subscribe, give us a thumbs up, uh, comment. Uh, what else do you do on YouTube? Watch it a million times. Yeah, download illegally. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah do it on different laptops so we get multi-hits. When you're at work in the computer room, just log on on every single computer. That's what yeah. we've been doing, and so, it's still yeah. not working for us. No, <laughs> so that's true. Help us out on that. So anyway. Until the next time, we'll say goodbye and see you see you later on. Bye. They said you should have been here last week. I swear you should have been here last week. Oh yeah, you should have been here last week. This show is part of Podomity, the podcast comedy network. We're the best kept secret on Acast. Why not laugh at what else we've got? Check out podomity.com now.